Happy Monday. Welcome to NSN Daily. Alex Margulies, Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio, Anthony Resnick uh, driving us behind the scenes. A lot to talk to you today. I talk about today, a Wolfpack baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball, a ton of stuff going on. We're going to catch up with a uh, former Nevada basketball star, Josh Hall, of course, um, known for that last second shot against uh, Cincinnati. Uh, we're going to get into our Friday night rivals schedule. Speaking of rivals, uh, former Devonnie Ranch quarterback, Cade McNamara, we talked about him last week, how he was pretty much alone when it came to being behind center at Michigan. He now has some transfer competition. Competition's good. I like that. So we'll uh, knock that around as well. But guys, uh, starting off, uh, rough weekend in Logan, Utah, uh, when it comes to Nevada men's basketball, guys. Uh, uh, it was a close on paper game on uh, on Friday and Sunday was an absolute uh, absolute blowout. Uh, we, we talked about Chris, we talked about rust and whether or not this team would be rusty coming off of playing their best basketball uh, of the season. And uh, it, it really showed to me uh, on uh, on Friday that this team had had some layoff. Yeah, I mean, if rust was a factor, why were they so poor in game two then? I mean, I, I don't put it on the rust. I think that's excuse making. Uh, obviously, having 18 days off is not great. Um, I don't think rust. Leads three weeks. Three weeks two. off. I get that, but I mean, they were out rebounded by 23 on the glass. Is that rust? They gave up 17 offensive rebounds and had one. Is that rust? Um, obviously, they didn't play great for the majority of that series, but they're also 0 and 6 on the road in Mountain West games uh, and true road games this year, you know? So they haven't been great when they've left home. And this was an example of that. Um, not having Zane Meeks was obviously an impact. Uh, Utah State was without their starting point guard. I mean, Grant Sherfield didn't play well. And when Grant doesn't play well, Nevada's not going to beat a lot of these good teams that they have to face. I mean, there's so much with this offense and with this team built on Grant playing really well. And when he's played well, which is the majority of the season, he's had a really, really strong season. Uh, Nevada's been capable of beating some of these better teams in the Mountain West. Um, I just, I, I don't put it on the rust. I mean, you guys could disagree and that's completely fine. But, uh, you know, teams have had to go through stuff like this and some of them have come out and they've struggled and some of them have come out and they've played better. I guess just from the rust standpoint, how do you play within one possession on Friday? And then in the second game, you get completely blown out. If there was a rust issue, I feel like you would have been stronger in game two. They certainly got off to poor starts in both games. And that was one of our three keys uh, to victory last week was that you can't get off to a slow start on the road against an NCAA tournament caliber team like Utah State is. Now give them a lot of credit for fighting back in game one. Um, you know, they showed a lot of resiliency and a lot of heart in game one to be able to make that a game late in that contest. Um, they just didn't have the same push in game two, for sure. Alex, three second chance opportunities kill me when it comes to college basketball. And I've never played basketball at anywhere near this sort of level. But I can analyze it and tell you that games come down sometimes to one possession. Uh, game two did not, but it certainly snowballed in a direction. When you are out-rebounded on the offensive glass by Utah State, they go up 17 to 1. Uh, you're not going to win any of those games. And, and to me, that to me is one of the most frustrating parts of this is second chance points can be just killer. And I think that's something we knew coming into that was going to be a huge problem giving Utah State size. Uh, I, I don't know if this is correct, but I thought I heard this on the CBS Sports Network broadcast. They said that Utah State is the tallest team in the country. And that's pretty surprising if that's actually the case. I mean, and they had did have seven footer after seven footer. And Nevada, especially in the absence of Zane Meeks, didn't have the size to be able to compete with them. And Nevada's bigs didn't play very well inside. And Warren Washington and K.J. Himes did not play great. They certainly did not compete very well when it came to the rebounding side of things. And again, when you have three or four guys that you have to try and deal with, it's a problem. I will say this. 
about the rust. So I think I agree with Chris that it's not completely rust. You can't just say, oh, it's just because they took 19 days off. I will add this caveat to the 19 days off is I don't think Nevada was in very good shape. Like, I don't think Nevada was capable of playing two games in three days. And you could tell, I think on Sunday, they were tired. I think they were tired of playing a physical Utah State team who defends at maybe the highest level in the Mountain West this year. And so maybe it wasn't Russ that contributed to being a blowout in game two. I think it was closer in game one and game two. I think Nevada just didn't have any gas. Like, they just did not look like a team that uh, was physically ready to compete in a game like that. And the stats kind of show it. I mean, when you get blown out in the glass that badly, I think it was, what, plus 18 for Utah State. Brian, you said 17 to 1 on the offensive glass. That's a huge, huge problem. And Nevada, as Chris said, I mean, when when uh, Grant Sherfield and Desmond Cambridge don't play well, I mean, Des was 4 for 15 from the fields. Uh, Sherfield was 2 for 8 from the fields. It's not a winning combination ever. You know, those two guys have to score. And you don't have Zane Meeks to come give you a pop off the bench. So despite Nevada getting a good contribution from a guy like Trey Coleman, a freshman who hit four threes, it was a career high for him. And he was certainly a bright spot, especially early keeping Nevada in the contest. In the end, Nevada was just overmatched in this game. I don't think Utah State's a great matchup for them because Nevada doesn't have the size to kind of run with them for an entire game, especially two games in three days on the road after not playing for 19 days. I think this is kind of what we all maybe kind of saw could have happened. And, you know, even coach offer was kind of alluding to this was we got to be patient because this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a tough one going on the road, playing these guys, they're pissed having come off a couple losses to Boise state. They need to win a couple of games. Um, So it, it was kind of that perfect storm for Nevada. And now can they get something going in the right direction here over the next few days and they're going to get a, 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 a their best shot from Colorado State now on Friday, and that's going to be a huge challenge. So can Nevada find some way to get some sort of positivity and getting that momentum that they had a few weeks back uh, as they head into the Mountain West Tournament in about 10 days? Here's Nevada head coach uh, Steve Alford after the losses to Utah State. Yeah, obviously playing a really good team in their building, their um, senior night tonight, and, um, and I just thought they had, they had a lot more energy. Um, I don't We've never been through a pause before, Alex, so I, I can't tell you if the pause had something to do with it. I just – I know of the 80 minutes that we played here in Logan, only 10 of them were the way we were playing. Uh, the last 10 minutes of game one, that's the that's how we were playing uh, against UNLV and Boise before the pause. The other 70 minutes, I, I told the guys at halftime, it's, it's not our team. It doesn't look like our team. And so it's hard. You know, it's hard for me as a coach because I haven't been through it. Uh, where you in February you take 19 days off and then you got to play again. So I don't know. I hope that's what it was. And we got two games on the road out of our system and we had a really good opponent coming in Friday. Uh, we'll give them the guys off Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we got really good practices and we got to get a lot done and we got to get some of that confidence back and some of that momentum back because um, we got destroyed on the glass today. We got destroyed in transition and, We've been a good rebounding team all year, and we've been good at transition offense-defense team all year, and neither one of those things happened in this series. Of course, that's uh, part of that interview from uh, Wolfpack All Access. You can go online and check out that show uh, at uh, NevadaSportsNet.com. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Alex, when it comes to the perfect storm thing. One, Utah State, as you said, is a team that Nevada just doesn't match up really well with right now. I think on a great day, they would not match up well. And two, if you were an NBA scout and you were watching that game, uh, what Nevada did was boost Nimish Ketas 
uh, draft stock because he did everything. I mean, the guy could have run the point against Nevada over the weekend and he would have looked good. Uh, let's put this in behind, throw that tape in the trash and hope that Nevada doesn't have to face Utah State down in Vegas. Uh, Colorado State, Chris, they're going to come into Reno with a sack full of knuckles and, and want to want to knock, knock the pack back again. I mean, this is a Colorado State team that is very talented. Yeah, I mean, they're a really good team. I mean, Isaiah Stevens is probably the second best point guard or first best point guard, depending upon where you rank Grant Sherfield in the conference. David Roddy is a six foot five post player who's a very, very good player in the running for Mountain West Player of the Year. Um, you know, it's still a relatively young team, but all these guys played together last year. So this is one of the better teams in the Mountain West. And, um, you know, I don't think you have to be disheartened if you're Nevada. I mean, you've played six games against the best teams in the Mountain West. You beat Boise State twice. Three of the games uh, went down to the wire, two at San Diego State, one at Utah State. Like Nevada is more than capable of beating some of these better teams in the Mountain West and having that path into the Mountain West Tournament Championship game. Like they can do it. Uh, it'll be nice to be able to play Colorado State at least once in this regular season. So if you do face them in the conference tournament, you have a feel for what uh, they do well and how you might have to adjust your game plan. But um, yeah, it was a bad game on Sunday for sure. But I wouldn't be disheartened by this team. I think Alex made a good point about the conditioning. If there was anything with that layoff, you could even see in the first game. I mean, there was a couple of series where Warren Washington was just completely gassed. And credit to the name is Keita for making him work. But, yeah, taking off some time might uh, affect your, your conditioning, and I think it did against Nevada. But, um, you know, I still think the Wolfpack is in a good position. They're probably going to get a first-round bye in the Mountain West Tournament if they either beat Colorado State or have UNLV lose one of their last two games to San Diego State or Wyoming, they get that bye. So you only got to win three games in three days instead of four and four. So, um, you know, it wasn't – to me, the hugest thing in the world, whether Nevada won or lost these last couple of games, it's just starting to play better. And they didn't play well. Now, whether that is because of rust or time off or whether that is because they just didn't play well and credit Utah State for having an elite defense. Um, I mean, you, I guess you could argue either way, but Nevada just needs to play better than it did for the majority of these games. Yeah, the first game was close. But really, Nevada only played about 10 good minutes in that game. So they went down to Logan. They probably played 10 good minutes out of 80. Uh, and now they go against the Colorado State team, where if they're going to beat Colorado State, Nevada has been much better at home. You know, they're probably going to have to play 30, uh, 35 good minutes because the Rams are a really talented team, as you mentioned. Alex, I, what I've seen out of this team is youthful mistakes. You see a team of players that maybe haven't played as much together. That's why Colorado State is good. They're young, but they played together. And you need your floor general to uh, to be the guy that that does not make those mistakes, and we saw a lot of a lot of mistakes by Grant Sherfield uh, in Game One. You really you saw the, a lot of the my bad that my bad can't happen. You you need to fix my bad. My bad can happen once or twice, but not multiple times over two games. And I saw the the landslide start to happen where a mistake would happen. Utah State would score points. A mistake would happen again. Utah State hits a three, and it just compiled and they couldn't overcome it especially in game two yeah look i mean nevada is what they are right They're, this is a young basketball team that does not have experience their depth is getting shaken right now without zane meeks and so to expect them to play at a super high level like they did against boise state every single night is just not reality right no, now especially coming off of not playing 19 days so look grant sherfield's a sophomore right like he's not a senior that's been through this for years okay so it, this is what it is and like chris said if nevada comes out of this week even if they do lose to Colorado State, they can still lock up that fifth seed as long as UNLV uh, loses to San Diego State, which is very likely on Wednesday. That's all that Nevada needs. doesn't matter what they do against Colorado State as long as UNLV loses uh, to San Diego State. So Nevada is still 
finished the season as the fifth best team in the Mountain West this year with a team that had zero seniors and one junior. Uh, that, that's a really, really good deal for them. Um, and I think that now the biggest thing is just be playing better basketball, right? It's just they need to figure out a way to feel good about themselves and feel confident again in themselves going into the Mountain West tournament. That's the entire goal right now is you feel out and you get through this next game. And if you win, fantastic. If you don't, it's not the end of the world. Because as you said, Brian, Nevada's beaten Boise State twice. They probably will get Boise State right now. If the season ended today, that's who they'd get in that first round. And, and they'd have to feel like, hey, you know what? We can compete with these guys. So, you know, it is what it is. They're a young team. They're, they don't have the depth. And Coach Alford last night did not sound very confident about Zane Meeks' return. And that's something we'll have to, to see what happens over this next week. He's been battling that knee injury all season long. And, and Coach was kind of like, when and if you know, when and if he comes back, he did not seem super uh, confident that he was going to return. And maybe he's done this year. I mean, think about that. That would be a huge loss for Nevada that pop off the bench, both in size, both in shooting. So, um, you know, we'll see how this week plays out and, and see if Nevada can get some momentum back. And that's the biggest thing right now is getting some of that momentum back, getting a better conditioning, feeling better. They're going to practice all week together, which is going to be big. They didn't have that really last week. So, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, I think a lot of it, like you mentioned, the swagger, that comes from having Grant yeah. play well. When you feel like right. you're the best player on the court, the rest of your guys are going to play a lot better. And there's Definitely. no question the name is Cueto was the best player in this series. Now, typically for Nevada, it's been Grant Shurfield. When you look at Nevada win versus loss, I mean, in wins, Grant's averaging 21 points per game and losses 14 points per game. In wins, he's shooting 48% from the field and losses 34%. In wins, he's making 46% of his threes and losses 24%. So it it's a lot of pressure to put on a sophomore for sure. But if Nevada is going to beat the better teams in the Mountain West, he has to play like the best player on the court. In this specific series, he didn't. Against Boise State, he did. For the majority of the season, he has. When they struggled at Wyoming, it's because Grant didn't play up to his potential. So it's a lot to put on one guy, but that's what Nevada needs to be able to make a run in the conference tournament to beat teams like Utah State or Colorado State coming up this week. And that's the challenge, right? Like, if you don't – like, if you're an opposing team, don't you just say, like, hey, we're going to shut down Grant Shurfield. I don't care what anyone else does. And so now the onus is, okay, somebody else has to be able to pick that up because if they're just going to key on Grant, you know, that's what defenses are going to do. They're going to say, look, we're gonna, if we shut this guy down, they can't beat us, you know. And so until somebody else can bring enough of a lift, you know, that's probably what we're going to see. Yeah, there, there's so we could talk about this for the entire hour of the show because you need that S word. You need a swagger. You need a, you need a Jalen Harris. You need a Caleb Martin. You need somebody like that. Nevada was so lucky to have – three swagger guys on that team with Caleb Cody and Jordan Caroline. You need a swagger guy, but you need guys that also have a little drip to them as, as well to help carry that guy along. So it, it's, it's, it's a team effort. I mean, but yeah, you're right, Chris, when Nevada goes, it's because it's the horsepower of, of Grant Shurfield. He is your guy, but he needs a Desmond Cambridge. He needs uh Warren Washington. You need KJ Himes to step up. You need somebody to step up and, and become that support system but the swagger, when the swagger's there, this team is scary. This is a team that can go out and win a couple of games in the Mount West Conference Tournament, no doubt. Colorado State will be a huge challenge, though, on Friday night. And I'm looking forward to, after taking a couple of punches, a full week of practice, you come back home and maybe play uh, play play a better game to finish off your regular season against Colorado State. 6 p.m. tip-off on Friday night against the Rams at Lalo Event Center, CBS Sports Network, or you can listen to our good friend John Ramey on the ESPN Radio 94.5 FM. we got to get off this. We could go the entire hour talking about this basketball team because 
I see such a high ceiling. And I think the expectation by PAC fans is right back up to where it was in the mid 2000s, thousands. And they want, and they see it and they see it. And then it disappears for a little bit. And I'm, trust me, my phone's been blowing up all weekend about it, but uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. I think coach Alford is quietly looking at his cards and going, I got a pretty good hand coming. I got a pretty good hand coming. Coming up next on NSN Daily, Wolfpack Baseball, softball over the weekend, and some history about the volleyball team. That's next. This segment sponsored by the following. Big weekend for the Silver and Blue. Uh, checking a little recap of a Nevada baseball, softball, and volleyball. Wolfpack baseball coming off of a, a nice series against Cal Poly on the road, won three out of four, and then uh, get uh, Mountain West Conference play started up against a really good UNLV team uh, run by Stan Stolte, former Nevada pitching coach. Who's, uh, it's so hard to root against Stan because he's just such a great guy. But uh, uh, the Rebels took uh, took two right out of the blocks, Chris. In the doubleheader, Nevada came back with a great uh, outing by Owen Charts to win game three, but Rebels win the series two out of three. Yeah, I mean, a little bit disappointing for Nevada. UNLV didn't play their season opening series because of COVID issues with their opponent, so you thought that might be a little advantage for Nevada. And Nevada really got two sparkling pitching performances. I mean, Jake Jackson in that first game gave up two runs over seven innings. Owen Charts in game three, only one run over six innings. So you'd think with those two pitching performances, maybe you get two wins out of it. They had to settle for one, but Owen really did come up strong in game three after Nevada was swept in that, swept in that double hover. It was kind of interesting to see how TJ Bruce uh, deployed these guys. I mean, you'd think Owen Charts would be your typical Friday starter, but it seems like he wants to save him for a Sunday game in case of a worst case scenario, like being swept in a double header. So, um, you know, it wasn't ideal with how Nevada opened Mountain West play, but nice for them to get a win. And their two top pitchers are throwing really well. And I think that's really, really important because um, those two guys have stud potential. And uh, Owen pitched really well uh, in this game. And then Jake also had a very strong performance after a kind of a rough first inning. So uh, if there's a silver lining, it's that Nevada has its two horses kind of lined up and pitching well. And now I think it will come down a lot to the hitting on how uh, well Nevada does for the rest of the season but as long as they have those two guys going I think they're gonna have a good year Alex this is the Owen Sharks that uh, Nevada expected to have I mean he did walk four batters um in six innings struck out seven but this this young man uh, shows that yeah there, there was a reason why he was that type of prospect coming out of high school well yeah he's an electric arm I mean and it is a little wild right now he had seven walks in his first performance uh, didn't give up a hit uh, in his first outing last weekend against Cal Poly, but I'm with Chris. I mean, I think the big takeaway for me, you get two great outings from your horses. And for Nevada, if those two guys pitch like this the entire season, they're going to have a chance to win a lot of games. Uh, and they're going to have a chance to win a Mountain West championship. If you get those types of performances on a night in and night out basis uh, from your top two guys. And it is interesting. There is a little bit of a different strategy because you are playing these double headers. And so you have to kind of think about that. And, and maybe it does make sense. Like TJ's doing to split these guys up. Uh, knowing that you should be able to get six, seven strong innings out of Owen charts every time he goes out. That's the expectation, uh, you know, and, and for him, this is this is his big year. I mean, this is his junior year to prove to major league teams uh, that he deserves uh, to be drafted. And, and I think he he absolutely will. Uh, and certainly he has showcased a lot of uh, his skills already in the first couple of seasons. And now can he work on that commands? And, and even if he can't, I mean, there's there's plenty of guys that are wild that are going to get drafted when you have an arm like he does and, and, and project the way that he does and his size and, and everything is his baseball IQ. Um, so, you know, you don't want to lose two out of three, but UNLV is a very good baseball team. And I think not getting swept is huge. That was a big uh, come uh, comeback win over the weekend to salvage a game in the series. And uh, it's just weird that we're already talking about Mountain West play 
uh, the end of February. It's kind of kind of strange, but it's uh, it's a different deal this year. There's no tournament, more Mountain West games. Uh, so this is kind of the, the the new deal right now. Nevada returns to the non-conference play on Tuesday with a single game at Arizona State, 12.05 uh, down in Tempe. If you want to listen to it, 94.1 FM as uh, Nevada's uh, non-conference schedule continues to be one of, one of the top ones maybe in program history. This has been a really challenging schedule and will be a lot of inter- entertainment as we move along. Uh, Josh uh, Taylor softball team, two and two over the weekend. They just can't seem to be able to beat Idaho State. I don't know why, but uh, um, went down to the tournament uh, down at Pacific and went two and two, Chris. Yeah, like you said, they lost twice to Idaho State. They beat Pacific twice. I think the top performance was Blake Kraft. She had a two-hit uh, shutout of the Tigers in one of those wins. So she's been pitching really well this year. Um, you know, I mean, Nevada beat Washington, number two team in the nation, a team that still only lost once. And since then, they're four and four. So we've seen the high ceiling of this team and what they're capable of. And they're certainly going to be challenged moving forward. They got a couple games with Stanford coming up, BYU, California, Oregon. So they're still going to have some strong tests. They've gotten off to a nice start. I think Coach Taylor would probably just like to see a little bit more consistency because when you go out and you beat a team like Washington, and Nevada did that. I mean, they like we've talked about, it wasn't flukish. They just went out and beat uh, the number two team in the nation, you want to be able to sustain that and beat teams like Idaho State. So um, there's a lot of good things going on with that program right now, and they're going to try and dial in the consistency before they get to Mountain West action. Yeah, it's, it'll, be, uh, it'll be fun to see how they do down at the, the tournament at Stanford. Uh, Alex, uh, it's been challenging uh, for Lee Nelson and uh, Wolfpack Volleyball uh, over the last few years. I think we've expected maybe that team to start to ascend back to where it was under Devin Scruggs and, and back in the Big West days where they were a, an NCAA team every single year, but to go down and beat San Diego State twice on the road, that's that that's that's a move in the right direction. It's a nice, nice couple of wins to you can hang your hat on. Yeah, I mean it's historic. Nevada has never gone and been able to beat San Diego State like that. And now winning three of their last four. So things certainly trending in the right direction. It doesn't look like San Diego State maybe is as powerful as they've been in the past. Uh they've started the season slow at three and five, but you go down there and, and win like that, that has to be a huge confidence boost for this team. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. What people, I mean, a record out the window. You're still playing a, a great program like that uh, in San Diego State with that type of uh, that type of history. Uh, Nevada women's uh, the volleyball at uh, San Jose State scheduled for uh, uh, Friday and Saturday down at San Diego State or San Jose State, and then return home 12th and the 13th uh, against. Boise State. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, we will visit with former Nevada basketball star, you'll remember him, Josh Hall. That's coming up after the break. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Alex Margulies and Chris Murray joined by former Nevada Wolfpack star Josh Hall, who is now at Cal State Fullerton. And it's been kind of a winding road for you, man, over the last couple of years. But now in your senior season, we'll kind of get into that a little bit. But how you doing, man? Doing good. Doing really good. Yeah, just, just enjoying, enjoying this West Coast life again. Enjoying it really well. Take us through your season this year. So I don't think a lot of people know what you've been through over the last couple of months, but uh, you graduated from Missouri State, so you were able to grad transfer over to Cal State Fullerton. Mm-hmm. You know, very quickly got COVID-19, and then you weren't cleared because you got uh, myocarditis, uh, which is kind of inflammation around the heart, right. and told maybe your basketball career would be over. I guess when you got that news, what was going through your mind? Um, it was definitely heartbreaking because um, I didn't I didn't really know too much about it. Um, so I, I just I tried to stay positive and tried to look at the positive of it. But I was first told that, you know, it could be six to eight months. And then, you know, practically, you know, um, you know, I could never play again as well. So I was just, you know, nervous about that. But I just um, I have a good and strong foundation around me, my family and friends and my coaches really helped me get through that time. So um, it was definitely difficult. Um, I ended up sitting out for the first 
five months, um, you know, but due to COVID um, and, and myocarditis, uh, we had a lot of games canceled also. I didn't miss too much, but it, it was definitely hard to uh, during that stretch for sure. Josh, when you go through something like that, I mean, I know everyone kind of cherishes get to do what they like to do right now, you know, with COVID and, and you have something taken away and then you, you just kind of have a different perspective. So I'm sure you had that already with basketball, but then even going a step further and, and having that condition. I mean, when you step out on the court now, is there a day that goes by that you don't go, damn, I just, I'm so lucky I get to play this game. Yeah, no, I, I take, I don't take any day for granted now. Um, definitely, definitely accept every day as a blessing especially to get back on the court. Um, and, and also when we're allowed to play games because we've had so many games canceled. So I'm just, I'm just excited when we actually do get to get back on the court. Um, but it definitely makes you, you know, it's definitely a reality check. It makes you, makes you realize that, um, you know, you can't take any day for granted at all. It can be taken away from you that easily. And uh, it made me appreciate the game a lot more than I did before. It is definitely interesting how you made your debut with this team because uh, you obviously had your own COVID issue and then the team had a COVID pause and then a quarantine after that. The first time you actually suited up with these guys was in the game against right. Santa Barbara yeah. it was in a practice. You had zero practices before you played a game for Cal State Fullerton. What was it like just trying to figure out, you know, who you were playing with and getting used to your guys having practice with them before playing a regular season college game? Yeah, it was definitely difficult. Um, I had I basically been using the season as a way to get back in shape. Um, so that, that, that first game was really tough. I was really tired. Uh, we were playing against Santa Barbara, uh, my, my old uh, teammate, uh, my friend DeVerle. So that was exciting, um, but it was, it, was definitely, it was definitely difficult. Uh, I was just out of breath, you know, out of sorts, um, but you know, we played a back-to-back. -back, so the second game was, it was, I felt more comfortable, but each game as the season's going on, I felt more comfortable. But at first it was, it was definitely, uh, definitely a little rough, definitely a little tired. Well, what's it been like kind of reuniting down there at Fullerton with a couple of former Wolfpack coaches? Brandon Dunson is there, Gus Arginal there. Uh, I imagine that was a huge part of why you wanted uh, to transfer uh, down there. What's that whole, that whole experience been like for you? Uh, it's been really good. Um, I've, I've enjoyed uh, their company and, and, and just some familiar faces as long as, as, long as, as well as um, Vince, Vince and Lee. Um, so it, they, they've helped me um, a lot, you know, just having familiar similarity, um, having someone to talk to. Um, especially uh, Coach Gus, he's helped me a lot. Um, so definitely, it's definitely, you know, you definitely uh, take pride in that, having a lot of people from Nevada here. Um, it, it, it helps us. We've had, like, we kind of have a core, um, you know, group here, and it kind of helps us, uh, you know, stick together and, and, and look forward to what's coming next. Um, next Every year. I was going to say, every team has had different curveballs thrown at them during this situation. You guys have actually had more games canceled 14 than games played 13. So, um, you know, when you look at what you've gone through this season and the future with the NCAA granting an additional year of eligibility for seniors, I mean, do you envision coming back to Fullerton for another year next year? Or what does your future kind of hold as we get through this season? Yeah, I, I definitely will be coming back next year. Um, that's for sure. Uh, just like you said, due to all the games canceled and, um, you know, me not being able to basically have a summer or fall, you know, to really do anything or work out or anything. So I definitely want to take advantage of that opportunity that the NCAA has given us and, um, and definitely will be, you know, coming back next year.
Josh, you've had a lot of success on the court since coming back. You're averaging almost nine points a game. You're one of the top players in the conference when it comes to defensive rebounding, rebounding in general. Uh, what have you been trying to just kind of showcase about your game and what, what has been your focus on the court about the type of player that you want to kind of be? Uh, I've been just basically trying to show versatility offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, I just want to be a stat sheet stuffer, just, you know, be able to fill up each 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 category and just show my versatility, whether it's passing, shooting, um, steals, whatever it takes. That's that's my that's my main goal, just showing versatility, showing I can play um, one through four. I know a lot of people who did have COVID. I mean, they've kind of struggled, uh, you know, after that. And obviously you're, you're strenuous with your work that you're putting in on the basketball court. Um, how much did it impact your body? I mean, how much did it kind of rock your system, especially early on when you were going through some of that heart inflammation? Um, it, it, was a, it was a big hit at first because um, when, I, when I had COVID, I had, you know, every, almost every symptom in the book. And then um, I lost my taste and smell. So I didn't really want to eat. So I, I kind of lost a few pounds. Um, and then mentally, you know, I was, you know, always ha had headaches or I was drowsy. So it was, it was hard to like find, you know, some type of motivation to, to do stuff throughout the day. Um, but I eventually got through it, but it was, it was definitely a really rough period um, just because all the symptoms I had, it, it, was, it was, it was, it was really tough for a while. Josh, when you take a look back at just being in Nevada and starting your career here, uh, what stands out, just the memories about getting to play basketball here and, and the teammates you had and, playing for Coach Moss and, and, you know, the other assistant coaches I mentioned before, uh, you know, what stands about your memories? Uh, my memories, um, like you said, just definitely the, the experiences and experiences with the fans as well. Like, um, especially when we went to the NCAA tournament, even, even the conference tournament, you know, um, just the fan love was, was amazing and being able to interact and have those interactions with fans and my old, my teammates that, you know, those relationships I always have. Um, those, that definitely helped me a lot, um, and though, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of a lot of great memories in two years. Um, you know, I, I would just say the interaction with the people with the people that that's that's really what sticks out to me. Um, you know, I'm really close to a lot of people still, you know, so it's definitely it's definitely definitely those interactions. I mean, you'll definitely always be a hero here as well. I mean, that putback that you had to send the team to the Sweet yeah. 16 is like one of the five most famous plays in the history of Wolfpack athletics. And you know, when you come to a school as a freshman that's your goal to have a moment like that. I mean, how much are you pushing to make that moment again with Fullerton? I mean, coming back for a second senior season uh, with this team, having a big West tournament uh, this year, you know, just having that experience, I, get, I, I would imagine that you want to crave getting an opportunity to do that again at the biggest level in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to get back to the NCAA tournament. It's one of my goals um, for sure. And it's one of our goals as a team. Um, and I yeah, definitely here at Fullerton because like you said, of the experience that I have, also the experience of, you know, other people from from the, who came from the Nevada route as well, um, and I definitely think we have the talent um, to do it for sure. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, I definitely want to make it back for sure. That's 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 the main goal. We um, went to the NCAA tournament in 2018, um, so just definitely want to get that one one more, just one more for me, and that'll be I'll be satisfied. You know, Chris referenced that moment that you had uh, in Nashville, and I was just kind of flooded with that. I mean, just mm -hmm. from you making that final shot and yeah. running down the hallway. And I remember Elijah Cooks was there, and, and I just remember you guys coming down and then even going into the locker room. And you were the guy that got to actually put Nevada's name and yeah. put them on that bracket. Uh, how cool was that just entire – I'm sure it's all a blur now, but yeah. I just how special was that? It was very special. I, I, it didn't really hit me until maybe like a couple of weeks after that, 
of all that was going on. You know, I always see people doing that. I always see people putting the, the, the school on the board and everything. And I, and I couldn't believe it. I was actually doing that. And we were actually doing that. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was just a once in a lifetime experience. I, I would never forget that. Um, looking back at it, there's, I always see, I always see new videos and new footage of, of stuff that happened. I'm just, and it was just, it just amazes me. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a once in a lifetime experience for sure. And I'll, I'll never forget that, that moment, especially, especially um, right after that game and, and then going straight to Atlanta and seeing all the, I think, I think our fans tripled when we went to Atlanta, they were all outside our hotel room. So it was just really cool to, to see, to be a part of. I it was just a special group and it's just so interesting how that moment, you know, you have that special moment and then mm -hmm. kind of goes in their own direction. You got the Martin twins at the NBA. Now you got Eric Musselman in Arkansas, everybody kind of forms that really unique bond for that game or that season. And then, you know, everybody kind of goes their different ways. And now you're out on the West coast, as you mentioned, you know, loving West coast life. Uh, I'm sure you love Reno, but uh, the weather in Fullerton is probably great. What's been your favorite thing about, you know, being down there in the Los Angeles area and, and getting a chance to, to live that West coast life, like you said? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely the weather and then and definitely um, just seeing, uh, you know, it's just, it's just positive vibes out here. Everyone, everyone's happy. Everyone's smiling all the time. And I, I love that. Um, and, you know, and being out in this weather just makes you want to go and do something productive. You know, it doesn't, you don't really want to sit in the house all day. You really want to go outside and, do something productive. So it's definitely, it's definitely been, it's definitely been really fun being back out in the West Coast. Well, Josh, uh, I know we're all excited that you're back out on the court doing well. And, and as Chris said, I mean, you're, you're one of those guys who always uh, be ingrained uh, in Wolfpack history and, and Wolfpack basketball and will always be fans of yours and, and uh, best of luck to you the rest of the season. It was great catching up with you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks so much. All right. We'll have more of NSN daily coming up just after a quick break. Well, we're very, very excited here at Nevada Sportsnet to be able to bring you live high school football uh, once again. Uh, it's been a long time, guys, since we've been able to, to be able to talk about live Friday night rivals. Our, our friends over at Gustin Sports Productions uh, are going to be able to do this once again. The schedule, tentative schedule, granted it's COVID, so games can be switched and moved. We're expecting our first game, 6 p.m. kickoff on Friday, Spanish Springs at Bishop Minogue. Alex, it doesn't get much better out of the blocks to, I mean, what, we can't have Michigan, Ohio State? I mean, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, two of the best programs in the area. Uh, Ernie Howard has, has done a great job since moving down from Reed High School and has built that into a fantastic program and uh, maybe the best player in, in the entire region this year uh, with, with Drew Scolari, a quarterback, uh, Ashton Hayes. Might, might have some of the say, say for that, and I know you have some news on him, but uh, this should be a great game, and it, it's, it's weird, right? Like I just said, we're talking about Mountain West baseball at the end of February. And now here we are on March 1st talking about <laughs> high school football. Uh, but you know what? It, it almost feels like uh, football season right now. It's kind of cool. The sun's out a little bit. It feels more like fall than it does uh, winter. I guess we're getting closer to officially being spring. But uh, it's great that these kids are getting this opportunity because I know how badly uh, that all these players and coaches and, and families across the region have just been so desperate to play high school football and, and for these kids to at least get this six game season. Um, that's really cool to see in, in a time that's really difficult. And I think this is a real kind of shining light for a lot of people. Chris, we've been able to see uh, a lot of coaches on social media. I know I've had coaches reaching out to me kind of quietly going, I just can't wait for Friday to come. I just, I'm hoping for the, the best news that can possibly happen. Ernie Howron even got a little emotional on this show 
talking about it. What do you think it means to these coaches and how much are you walking? I don't want to say on eggshells this week, but just kind of going, all right, come on, everybody be smart. Let's get let the season started. Well, I mean, that's the other element. Everybody has to get tested this week. I mean, they're all taking the antigen tests and uh, hopefully everybody gets through that smoothly and there aren't any issues, but um, yeah, definitely you have to be smart off the field because there hasn't been a lot of transmission proven on the field in these things, but you're a high school kid. You want to go out and socialize and things like that. So it's probably a big concern, but yeah, I'm sure they're super excited to be able to get out there and play a game. And, and every game is really important this year. I mean, at the end of the year, April 9th and 10th, we're going to have a pseudo, a pseudo bowl season. Uh, and it's going to be the number one seed from the Sierra versus number one seed from the high desert. So if you take a loss, that's unexpected in your season opener, you might be kind of taken out of the mix for that regional championship game. So uh, yeah, that'll be a fun game. Uh, Reed versus Damani also this week. And then Galena at Douglas at the 5A level. And yeah, like you said, I mean, these people are going to be really excited to go out there and just play some football, be with their friends, go have a little bit of fun. Of course, they're going to want to win. But given everything they've been through the last several months, I'm sure just being on the field, win, lose or draw, they're going to be happy with uh, getting a chance to go out there and, and play some football. As I said, uh, six o'clock kickoffs because it is a little colder at night. They're going to move them to six. Uh, Spanish Springs at Minogue. This week, March 12th, is scheduled McQueen at Spanish Springs. March 19th is still TBD. Could be Spanish Springs at Reno, Minogue at, uh, at, at Reno, Minogue, or Carson because there is some, some juggling with the schedule. 26th of March, McQueen, Reading. April 2nd, Douglas at Carson, the big battle down in the Valley. We know who Chris is rooting for in that one. Friday, April 9th, playoffs and the championship uh, on, on the 10th. Alex is our planning guru. I mean, this guy put together a beer pong tournament with celebrities. We got to get an NSN bowl, right? I mean, how can we figure this out and get an NSN bowl? I mean, what do we do? We have to figure something out. That could be cool. Get it going. I'd have to do, we have to figure something out. Maybe we'll talk off air and figure something out. Uh, McQueen did get some good news. This was anticipated and it's now kind of public news. Uh, Ashton Hayes transferred from Damani Ranch, Chris, um, an electric running back, uh, picked up an early offer from Nevada and now teams are pouncing on him. Um, but when you're Jim Snelling at McQueen and uh, you've got a kid named Robbie Snelling as your quarterback, you can do everything. He might be a better baseball prospect than a football prospect. And Ashton Hayes at running back McQueen, I think is going to be a dark horse this year that really needs to be, uh, needs to be respected. Yeah. Ashton played uh, at the money ranch for two years and then transferred to McQueen. So there's always some logistical issues there, but he has been cleared to play as a sophomore last year. I mean, he ran for 2,429 yards and 32 touchdowns that led the state as a sophomore, as you mentioned that Nevada offer, but I mean, Cal Stanford, Arizona, UNLV, Nebraska, Oregon state got a lot of schools after him. And that is a loaded 2022 class uh, at McQueen between him and Robbie Snelling, you have two national recruits with dozens of power five offers between the two of them. So it'll be interesting to see if McQueen can get back to that level that we saw under those Ken Dalton days. Will they be one of the better teams in the North this year? Damani ranch hasn't lost a Sierra league game dating back to 2015. So will they be able to continue that kind of dominance without the best running back in the state with Ashton making that transfer, some interesting storylines heading into this year. Um, it, it, I, I feel like Minogue is still the team to beat for sure. Uh, but as we mentioned, that McQueen talent at the very top of their roster is going to be hard to beat. The Monty Ranch, you can never count out. And then Spanish Springs and Reed are always strong programs as well. And just with how unusual this offseason has been, you can't really be surprised if anything weird happens in terms of upset. So uh, it'll be nice to, on Friday night, get the lights out. I can actually see the lights at the Monty Ranch from my backyard. So uh, you know, I can hear the, uh, the loudspeaker and all that. I know they're only allowing 100 fans in, and it's only for the home team. Visitors won't be allowed. Not sure I'll be able to sneak in necessarily, but 
uh, I can at least listen to the game from my backyard. Uh, we're gonna have to train, you know, peek through a fence or something. I can see McQueen High School from basically my backyard. Yeah, Alex, uh, we, when you look at the the top four, I think Chris listed the top four when it comes to this year. But this junior class of McQueen is gonna be dangerous in the fall because that's what they're gonna turn around and play in another six months. Yeah, I mean, when was uh, when was the last time you had two kids on the same team like that, right? Like that had that kind of national attention. I mean, a few years ago. There was Kate McNamara, uh, who had a, obviously a ton of attention, ended up going to Michigan. And then there was uh, Brandon Caho, who ended up going to Alabama and now transferring to Utah. But to have two guys of that kind of level of recruiting on the same team, that's, uh, that's a real dangerous combination. It's going to be fun to watch. Speaking of uh, Kate McNamara, he's got some competition at quarterback at the University of Michigan. We'll tell you about who is transferred in and what that means for Cade coming up after the break. Uh, we're coming out of high school football. Uh, Damani Ranch's Kate McNamara, of course, now uh, really looks like he's got the inside track on the uh, starting job at Michigan with Joe Milton transferring out. But now there's a transfer coming in. Uh, Michigan is adding a veteran, a quarterback in uh, Texas Tech's transfer, Alan Bowman. Uh, Chris, what do you think this does for uh, Kate's future? I mean, competition's good. I mean, I, I like competition. Yeah, I mean, add some competition, but Michigan had two scholarship quarterbacks. Like, they were going to add somebody. There's just not a not mm -hmm. there on the depth chart that you need some kind of backup uh, situation. He's the only one who was in the program last year among the three who will be vying for the job. I think that's a huge leg up for Cade. So he's going to be the starter heading into fall camp. Doesn't mean necessarily he's going to have the job because, as you mentioned, that competition. But I still like his chances of playing a lot of games for Michigan this season. Alex, you, you got and I, Chris, covered his career extensively at the Monty Ranch. From day one as a freshman, he stepped onto the field and he exuded confidence. I think he's probably like, hey, you know what? If he helps make the team better, great. But I'm going to go out there and try and take, keep this job. Well, and you're playing at a school like Michigan with Jim Harbaugh, you, you have to expect that there's going to be high-level competition at quarterback. So this is kind of business as usual. I mean, uh, these big schools are all going to have tons of competition. And it doesn't mean they're bringing him in just to replace him necessarily. It just means they're just going to put more good arms in the room and, and, and see what happens. And uh, – it's going to be fun to watch Cade this year and see what he can do and, and see if he can emerge and, and, and really take the reins of that job. And, and he really impressed a lot of people last year when he had a chance to get into that role. Unfortunately, got hurt at the end of the season, but uh, he was looking really good. Look at Nevada. You've got Drew Scolari coming in. You've got Clay Millen coming in. You've got two talented quarterbacks. Iron sharpens iron. You want competition. I think it's a good thing. Well, we'll have some final thoughts here on NSN Daily right after this. Coming up on tomorrow's show, uh, Justin Cutler, board member for the uh, High Sierra Lacrosse League, is going to join us. The challenges that that Boys and Girls League facing here in northern and southern Nevada, since they're not a sanctioned sport by the NIAA. We will talk with him. For Alex Margulies and Chris Murray, Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudio. We'll see you next time.